Hey, it's Mark Shifley here. You're listening to the Jet Centric Podcast. Hey there, Jets fans. Welcome back to Jet Centric episode 101. This is an episode I think we're recording with a little bit of surprise because we're maybe an hour out from the massive trade. And by the massive trade, I mean, of course, Jack Roslovic leaving the Winnipeg Jets. No, if, if we're, of course, talking about the Liney Roslovic <laughs> deal to uh, to Columbus for Pierre-Luc Dubois and a third with salary retained on Winnipeg's side to make the cat work. Uh, for reaction, we have Liss, Chris, and Brian here. Uh, first of all, how's everyone feeling about it? <laughs> so many Chris, why don't we start to you? <laughs> I, right before we push record, and I don't want to take your thunder, Kishore, but I think you said it really well that the writing's been on the wall for quite a while on this. Um, so seeing the reality kind of last night with the Darren Drager tweets and the Elliot Friedman article, it it turned something that we kind of knew was coming into reality. Um, I I'll be honest, I didn't even think the Jets were going to draft Patrick Liney. I thought they were going to draft um, PRV or Dubois, I guess. Um, I wasn't too familiar because I didn't think he was a fit for this organization. That interview in his bed um, <laughs> is classic. I love it, but it's not a Jets thing. And the whole thing, his style of play, his personality, um, all of it isn't Winnipeg Jets um, feel. And so now, you know, three, four years later, whatever, hindsight's twenty twenty. but we can go check my Twitter. I didn't think they were going to pick him. And as it turns out, they probably shouldn't have. Um, he was never a fit. He was never a fit with the coach. Um, and, you know, and then personal feelings, it sucks. He's everybody's favorite player, right? I mean, we all have our favorite guys, but he's everybody's favorite player. I, and, I should uh, be wearing my Patrick Line jersey right now. What am I even doing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to put mine on too, but yeah. Anyway, yeah, it's, uh, it's I, as somebody that was around for the Timu trade um, and the Howard Chuck trade, um, very similar. Um, the only difference in this time is it's not like who. Who are we getting back? We actually getting a player that's um, as equal talent, maybe better, maybe a little bit not as good. That's that's to be determined. But that's a difference. Um, we're actually getting somebody unlike the Solani trade. And uh, I think that makes it a little should make it a little easier to swallow for Jets fans. Brian, how about you? What's your initial reaction? Um, yeah, I guess I had a lot of thoughts. Well, I don't know. I had a lot of feelings more so than thoughts. Um, Patrick Line. So all day, I mean, at the end of yesterday when uh, shit kind of hit the fan, um, I just started thinking about the uh, 2016 draft lottery. And I was literally there watching it with my dad. And Line was possibly my favorite player in that draft. I'm like, okay, we could have a chance to draft Patrick Line. That would be sweet. And then we got the second spot in the draft lottery. I'm like, okay, this is happening. I'm all excited, like, from then and then in the draft when we drafted him. And then at the start of the season, uh, I was at that game where he scored the hat trick against the Leafs, come back from four goals down. That was one of my favorite moments, probably as a Jets fan. So just all those memories, it's going to suck to, uh, we're all going to miss that. And uh, yeah, that part of it really sucks. Uh, he was a rock star. Yeah, um, I, I feel how sad you are. I like, I think we all kind of feel it to a certain extent. Yeah. Now we're going to go. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. On the other hand, though, Dubois is a great player. Um, we now have maybe the best center depth in the NHL. We got Shifley, Dubois, Stastny, Cop, Lowry, a couple other uh, prospects coming up the pipeline, Perfetti and Gustafson. 
we're loaded at center for the foreseeable future. So that's a good thing for the team. Um, I think Dubois is a better player than a lot of Jets fans give him credit for. Um, the underlying numbers are obviously fantastic. Um, so yeah, we hope, uh, we hope Dubois has, uh, has a great career here. And, uh, yeah, at the same time, still hurting because Patrick Liney, that's my favorite player. Uh, now we go to our resident Columbus Blue Jackets fan on the podcast, Liz, for her reaction for uh, why she's so sad for Blue Jackets fandom seeing Pierre-Luc Dubois go. Now, Liz, what's your reaction to all of this? Well, you know what? This is an episode about Liney and Dubois, but I'm going to make it about me for a second. This is a really weird position for me to be in, and I never thought I was actually going to be in it. I was always making all these trolling tweets about bringing Dubois to Winnipeg <laughs> because he is my favorite player in the NHL. Since 2016, I have been obsessed with this guy. Like, I just, I became so attached to the Blue Jackets because I started watching because of him and stuff, and he's just been, I, I love him. I think he's great. That being said, my mind was never thinking that being a Line fan and being a Dubois fan were going to be like a mutually exclusive thing. Like right now, my bio on Twitter has been for the past couple of weeks is um, some like Pierre Luc Dubois and Patrick Line support account or something like that. Like I love them and I was fine with liking Dubois on another team. But all of a sudden, yeah, like um, I think it was Brian or I don't even remember who said it when shit hit the fan yesterday. Like I was like, oh my God, like this is actually, this is legit. So like, I think, like, emotionally, I'm still, like, I don't like this trade. I really don't. Um, but like Chris had said before we started hitting recording, you really do have to look at this from two different perspectives, from an emotional standpoint and, like, from a hockey business standpoint. From a hockey business standpoint, you cannot say that the Jets completely blew this because they got the shittier player in the deal. That's not necessarily true. Only time will tell, of course. But... Dubois is not a bad player. We're not getting a bad player in return. But you are getting rid of a good player and everyone's favorite player, like you'd said. So it's it's very complicated. I'm very conflicted right now. I'm not really sure how to act. I kind of wanted to like tweet out a disclaimer yesterday. Like, anything I say for the next 48 hours cannot be held against me because I don't know how to act. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But that's yeah. kind of like emotional. Ah, what's going on right now? I have lots so of thoughts, lots of confusion. We- <laughs> We've gotten our complicated feelings out, and I think we're going to return to some of the the issues that might have led to Liney's exit in a second. But let's talk about like the pure hockey side of things um, first and foremost. Uh, Liney said he's he's not going to resign. Um, who knows what the situation with PLD is? He has a year left uh, at five million dollars a year, but we're retaining some of Patrick's uh, uh, salary this year. What do you make of it as just a pure hockey move? For Winnipeg, are we better, the same, different going forward now that we have a little bit more center depth? Um, and and what happens, you know, with our lines now? Um, we touched on it last episode, and I think let's just assume that Line A signs with Columbus and and PLD signs with us. Let's just play that because it's the only way we can do that right now. Um, List said it perfectly. I mean, there's no reason now that Cole Perfetti can't take over essentially line A spot, right, going forward. And you can – I know that takes away Stastny's how on two years, right? Yeah, he, he has a, no, this year he next only year. Has this no, year. just this year? No, Dubois two okay, years. Okay, Dubois, Dubois, yes. Dubois two. So it doesn't make it perfect. So next year what you'd likely see is Shifley, Dubois, Perfetti, Lowry. I mean – Good Maybe God, not with Paul Maurice. Amazing. <laughs> Maybe not with Maurice as the coach. Um, my thought was if you if you had next year, if you had Shifley, Dubois, Stastny, Lowry, then you you put Perfetti over and you don't really lose a lot, right? Um, so Chris, again, I, I think Chris, yeah. you're talking about Perfetti. Perfetti's left, but he played the half wall in um the world juniors in wheeler spot on that right wing and he looked good there so that is totally exciting for me like that's I, like yeah and i think most centers can play wing right you want a guy to play center if he's a center but if you've got shifley and dubois on your team i think you've written perfetti's course right there 
I mean, you're not, he's not a third line center. He's not a third line talent. So you've made the decision now. He's a winger. Um, maybe you don't think he could play center and that's why you've done this. Um, or you're just, because you can't play those guys one, two, three. It's impossible. Um, there's also the Adam Lowry expansion draft issue coming up. So that maybe changes the center position as well. So maybe Perfetti does stay in there. Point being, you you open up a little more opportunity when you've got two first line centers on on your first two lines. And again, as far as like I said, the first kind of go to, um, it's a good trade. Um, I'm still not sure why we had to throw Rosovic in and didn't get anything back. That kind of doesn't make sense. The trade should have been one for one. <laughs> but um, <laughs> it gets rid of a problem, I guess. Uh, not that Rosovic's a problem, but a headache and uh, and just thinking about it. But it, that does kind of seem weird that we didn't even get some maybe uh, AHL defensive depth or um, something like that. But uh, all in all, a good a good hockey trade. And if we remember last episode, I did say to to these guys that if it were me, I would just get it over with and trade them one for one. I, I, as much as it pained me, I was resigned to it. I, I do want to jump in and note this tweet from June 24th, two, 2016 from the account CMAC live. I've been huh. suggesting pull RV, but I think the lousy PP and fan pressure may get us line. A. So I think we have Chris on record pushing for pull RV over line. No, no, that's it not was, actually what happened, but yeah, yeah, it was a, it was just what I feel like the Jets do, right? It's a more of a Jets. It was more of a Jets move, and I don't think that I've been proven right, but I definitely haven't been proven wrong four years later. Yeah, fair. Uh, Brian, what's your take on just like the pure hockey trade aspect of this? Um, my take on it is. Pierre-Luc Dubois is, like I've said it, he's a great player. Um, Patrick Laine, I love Patrick Laine. Uh, his ceiling is probably higher than that of Dubois. Um, it is a risk. I feel like with the growth in Patrick Laine's game uh, over the last year, um, at least... And I'm biased, but from a, from a fan perspective, it seemed like there's a possibility he was starting to rise to actual stardom. Um, it's going to hurt the Jets' power play, of course. Uh, Dubois is not the same player as Line on the power play. Their line is, as, as someone tweeted it out, uh, pretty much word for word. Um, what I'm about to say, Line is about as close to a power play cheat code as there is. Um, so yeah, the Jets are all of a sudden their power play is probably not not near the top anymore. Um, it could possibly struggle based on you know what we've seen over the last little while. I would imagine this trade actually improves the Jets at 5-on-5, just with uh, Dubois' play-driving ability, uh, ability to create offense in the zone. Um, It gives the Jets a lot of center depth. Um, I feel like they might be a bit weak on the right wing now. Uh, Wheeler... Uh, I guess you can move Ehlers over there if necessary. And then you have, I guess, Connor and Cop as your other top six wingers. Um, so overall, I guess, I don't know if it makes the team better. I don't know if it makes them worse. Uh, I guess time will tell. We'll see how Dubois fits in there. Um yeah, that's pretty much my thoughts on it. Nothing really too definitive. List, how about you as the Pierre Luc Dubois fan? How do you think he fits in? Um, well, I just want to jump on the whole um before you're saying, but like from a hockey pers- perspective, this trade, like one for one, the trade, I could totally see arguments from both sides looking at pretty much any aspect and. Uh, Scott Billick has been live tweeting um, Chevy's press right now and he says that they're hopeful that PLD signs here long term and apparently PLD um, 
wanted to play in a market that's crazy about hockey and like that's that's big that's not something that you necessarily can see on paper or anything but the whole addition of Roslovic and retained salary and the third rounder makes it seem like a worse trade than I think it actually is like I think we do end up getting the better like Brian said five on five player um I don't know if that necessarily means the team wins more games or not but with the added stuff it makes it look like the Jets got absolutely fleeced in the deal, which I don't think is true. Um, but sorry, what was your original question? I yeah, went- it, you're you're answering the question, which is like break down the hockey aspect, and then where do you think? How do you think Dubois fits in with the Jets? Because he is well, a number one center on most teams, um, but he won't be here. He right, and be. I've been kind of trying to think about it, and lots of us have been Maybe talking. He should be. <laughs> yeah. I didn't say could or should. I said, well, well <laughs> those are two different things. Yeah. Right. Um, but I think I've been trying to come up with some lines of my own, but lots of people have been talking for a while about how when we still had line A and you have Connor and Wheeler and Ehlers, it's like, why not have two shutdown scoring lines? This helps with that because I think he totally fits in. And I, I would like to see him and Ehlers playing on different lines. I think they both have that play driving ability that – um, you don't necessarily see in someone like Kyle Connor. I want to see Kyle Connor on Pierre-Luc Dubois' left. That's what I want to see. I think that's going to be really fun. Um, Dubois is big, and he's not necessarily the same player Connor is in tight, but he can make passes, and he can get the puck in the zone. Like he, they're, they're different players, but I think they'll play really well together. I want to see the two of them playing together on the second line to start things out. And if they're good and if it works out and Shifley gets demoted to the second line, all the power to them because that means that something's working and sounds good to me. <laughs> yeah, I, I look at it a, a couple ways. Like, first of all, like line A is going to com- should command, especially if he has a good year, he should command eight, nine million dollars, if not more um, for the potential superstardom uh, that's coming his way. That's with like the Wheeler extension and, you know, some of the other, the Connor extension, we simply, and a flat cap, we simply could not afford lining um, without uh, sending out some other big assets and there's probably going to be no takers. So I understand it from the business perspective. Um, And from a Shifley perspective, Shifley has two years left or three years left. Uh, Yeah. Three years left after this. So he's up through 24 he's also 20 he's also 27 like we always see decline entering about age 30 so making me feel old kishore yeah (laughs) (laughs) but but if pld signs long term and he's essentially shifley's replacement i totally understand it from the hockey perspective the stuff that doesn't make sense is what Liz said about roslevic i saw roslevic as uh, you know, a disgruntled player, but perfect for the Seattle expansion. Now we have a little bit of a problem going into the Seattle expansion of who gets exposed. Uh, it would have been really easy to put Rosovic, um out there for Seattle expansion um, as an RFA that that Seattle would have some control over and cheap. Um, you know, if he's like a middle six guy for them, that would have been great. But now we we have some additional problems down the road, and I, I still don't quite understand why he was thrown into the uh, to the deal if we retain salary. Such is life. Um, okay, what? Why did Line A leave? Why? Why did we get to this? I mean, like we are now at the point where we can talk about Truba, Bufflin, Line A. It, it's not a situation where oh buff is just being buff or truba had to move to new york because of his uh fiance and wife now we have a pattern that's bait what's going on go ahead brian um yeah um i don't know like i don't like to speculate too much on that kind of stuff um I think, well, ultimately, ultimately, Lionel's usage, um, for the most part, uh, didn't get to play on that first line with Mark Shifley. Uh, most people know he wanted to play on that first line with Mark Shifley, and 
to be fair, last year he got a lot of time on that line. But why? Because Brian Little got injured and Blake Wheeler moved to the second center spot. So that's... And then as soon as they um, oddly plugged that spot with Cody Eakin, um, right back up to the first unit goes Blake Wheeler. Uh, right back down to the second line goes Patrick Laine. Um and I certainly wouldn't blame Line if he was seeing a pattern there and is like, okay, well, I'm never going to get my shot playing with Mark Shifley on the right um, unless, you know, something else forces it like injury. So, yeah, I mean, that's just, I guess, the way it is there. Also... Specifically, Connor and Line last year, sorry, Connor and Shifley last year were not good defensive players. Line needed probably someone else to help him a bit defensively on that line. <laughs> um, it, it really wasn't good from those two. And uh, I think a lot of time they got kind of pinned in their zone a little bit. Uh, maybe didn't work the the greatest uh i think maybe that might play into it a little bit too maybe he thought that another play driver on that left side would have been nice for him like an ehlers or even a cop something like that i don't know we've all been we've all been screaming for ehlers shifley line to be a thing for forever now and it never happened so you know that kind of sucks Maybe he wanted something like that, but to see, I know the reasons why he wants out. No, it's possible that he wanted to play in a, in a bigger hockey market. Um, it's possible that he doesn't sign in Columbus, you know, past this year and that Columbus flips him, you know, uh, I don't know. Possibilities are kind of endless. I, I don't know enough to give, definitive answer on that one all right chris do you see a pattern or am i or is this in my head well i just tweeted something with a little help from one of our um old host aj uh we were talking about the pattern and the list was i think about 10 players um of either requesting a trade not happy with usage um or just leaving on bad terms and um the common denominator seems to be one or two, depending on your position, um, common denominators. I got a little bit of pushback from some people on Twitter that I'm not familiar with about, no, it's not a pattern and, and um, you know, it's not just Maurice and this and that. So maybe I'm wrong, but it seems pretty unceremonious the way Bufflin and Enstrom left. Um, Vander Kane asked for a trade three years in a row. Um, Andrew Kopp, Patrick Laine, Jack Roslovic, uh, Veselainen have all complained about the chances they're getting. Patan um, didn't get any chance and was just thrown aside. Um, and I think I'm missing one or two others. You start to see a trend. Um, Patrick Laine didn't want to be in Winnipeg. But like Brian said, we don't know what that reason is. Okay. But it could be something as simple as the fact that for three years, we've watched them not been able to get the puck to the guy on the power play. Jets fans were pissed when Liney came out two summers ago and said, I want more ice time. I want to play with the best players because I'm a good player. Your best players help you win. Not your Matt Hendricks and your Chris Thorburns and your bullshit fuckers that they keep rolling out on the third and fourth lines. The people that help you win are your best players. And when a player comes out and says, I'm a good player, I can help this team win, he shouldn't be crucified for that. And that's what he did. Mm -hmm. He never got his chance. And like I'm saying, it could have been as small as the way they're set up on the power play. It could be as big as the fact that he's intelligent enough um, to know the coach fucking sucks. He doesn't give any young players a chance unless they're, whatever the reason is, we don't know. And so it could be something as little as that or something as big as the fact that, yeah, he wants to play with Shifley. Yeah, he hates the fact that that Blake Wheeler runs the team. 
any of those things. I think Kishore had a little anecdote about Blake Wheeler, which somebody else can hit on, but there's so many broad strokes. And when you're a young, confident player that can score 50 goals a season, you have every right to want the best situation for yourself. And I'm just going to say it. I'm sick and tired of this coach doing this shit. You don't pick a coach over a star player, period. This coach has been here for eight years. He has no success here or in the past. And I know we shit on him all the time on this podcast. It's not even what I'm talking about. You can't justify trading away a 50-goal score for that coach. There's about three coaches in NHL history where you go, you don't like it, it's my way or the highway. The rest of them doesn't work like that. You figure it out. You draft your players and you and you trade for players and you sign players that are in your wheelhouse, that play the style that you want. And if Patrick Laine doesn't fit your style, guess where the problem is? With your coach, not with the player. So fucking figure it out. This is tiring. This is the emotional side of it, right? This is what we're talking about. You can be happy with, with the trade, but this is some bullshit. The fact that there was times when that when Line was on the second power play unit, give me a break. Oh, that the was garbage. That right. was just straight up garbage. The fact that you can't find a way to get that guy the puck on the power play is garbage. Like the fact that Blake Wheeler and Mark Shifley are still playing together is garbage. And if this were any other market, people would stop going because they're sick of it. But people keep going. People went to that fucking bomber stadium for 18 years when they sucked because they don't understand that we're in charge. The fans are in charge. And we're the ones that should be the ones saying, I don't, I'm not putting up with this. I, you need to get rid of this coach. Charlie Huddy, give me a break that that guy still has a job. You, you're complaining about having injuries on defense. You're, you're getting outshot like 350 to one. And, <laughs> and this is the same story every year. And that guy still got a job. It doesn't make sense. There's something fundamentally, fundamentally wrong with the organization. And it's really frustrating. And everybody like takes cheap shots and stuff about you're a fake fan, this and that. I've been putting my blood, sweat, and tears in this shit since 1986. I stuck with the Jets when they went to the Coyotes and put up with the exact same shit then. And now it's the same shit now. I buy all the jerseys. I go to games. All I do is think about, talk about this team. And it's garbage. We're doing all of this for some guy that is the losingest coach in NHL history that has won four playoff series in his whole career. Like, give me a break. So that's how I feel about it. Still a good trade. Good <laughs> yeah, it can it can be a good like, but that's the thing. And I think that's the thing you're going to get here. It can be a good hockey trade and still be bad for the fans. Um, because and that's that- how I, that's how I feel about it is like line. A was worth going to a game for line. A like was worth having the personality around. He made hockey interesting. Um, now we're going to get a bunch of, yeah, we we got pucks in deep and played hard tonight. And it just didn't go our way. We're going to get more of that crap. Um, and I think that's the thing that we're missing when Patrick Lining leaves. We're missing a team that has some character to it, that has some personality. Um, and we all know, I think, I think it's not hard to say that Patrick Lani's upside is higher than PLD. It just is. He could be a generational goal talent um, in the in the same echelon as Ovechkin if he gets it together um, and if he played with the right people. So I'm sad. List, what about you? Well, is there a pattern? Yeah. The whole market thing that you were talking about, Lani is totally the kind of person who might want to play somewhere like New York or. Toronto or something that has more of a you have a bigger stage there and that's some people are like that but Scott Billick um, I think I already mentioned this if not I've just read it a thousand times tweeted it out on the Jet Centric account that Duwell wants to play in a hockey loving community and I just think that's really interesting because to me as a hockey fan I don't know why if you were a hockey player a good hockey player who 
lives and breathes hockey, you wouldn't want to play in a Canadian city. Like, if you walk down the street in downtown Winnipeg, one in ten people is going to recognize you if you play for the Jets. If you are in New York, one in 500 people is going to recognize you. Like, it's if you're here, you are a staple to this entire province. And if I was a hockey player, I would want to be here too. So I think that's kind of an encouraging part um, for the Dubois thing. But then the the whole line, you just wonder if the market thing is what he's all about or if it's part of this trend of I'm sick and tired of this crap. There's no change. This loyal organization, um, the loyalty is biting them in the ass more than it's helping them kind of thing. Um, and I just wanted to bring up this super fun tweet um, from Blake Wheeler's media availability today. He says that he regrets the way he handled his relationship with Patrick Lining. And I just think that's really interesting because we always talk about it. We beat the dead horse about how Blake Wheeler has way too much of a say in this team. And I think that that's really interesting that um, we see some of these guys like him and like Bufflin that didn't necessarily have the greatest relationships with Blake Wheeler that are not happy with the organization as we speculate. Um, I don't really talk too much about the Evander Kane, Burmistrov, even the Toby Enstrom thing. That was in 2018, but the other stuff was way before. I'm going to do the opposite of age myself here. I was really young when a lot of that stuff happened, and I feel like I don't have a very good perspective of how it went down. But this, like, Truba and Bufflin and Line, like, you have to take a look at it from the outside and see that this doesn't happen with other team stars as often as it's happened with ours. So there has to be something else going on. Like it just is the only way that it makes sense. Like, I promise you these guys don't want out of Winnipeg because our Wi-Fi is bad and it's cold. Like that's just not how it works. So. Yeah. I, I mean, you can't go anywhere right now anyways, during the pandemic. It's not like every place is the same. And so, yeah, I totally agree. This is, there's something about the culture from years ago that is coming back to bite us. I think there's too much information now to not say that that's true. Um, and we're we're just not hearing outside of the leadership in the room come out and say how great it is to play in Winnipeg on the other side of things. We are, we're not hearing that from the young players. We're not hearing that from kind of our, our middle core, like um, the Ehlers types either. So... It, it makes me nervous um, that we're just going to continually see this cycle of talent that comes in here. Really interested to hear Liney's first interview with Columbus. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. 100%. People, you know what? So, something that gets lost sometimes is hockey players and athletes in general will play anywhere if they have a chance to win. Like, that's that's the other thing, right? Like, as soon as the Oilers got McDavid, people are like, oh, it's Edmonton, yeah, but if you get to play with Connor McDavid, you'll go, right? Or those are the things that the media always pushes on us and old hockey men push on us, yet all these players want to leave Winnipeg, which is so close to, like, on the precipice of a cup two years ago, and all of these, the all, all of this talent coming up and all of this stuff, why are they still wanting to leave? Like, you're so close. You're, you're like a defenseman away from challenging for the cup. And you want out all the time. Like, I just, something is wrong. We all know that. Some of us have been saying there's something wrong for five years. Um, and it doesn't seem to matter. That's the other thing that bothers me. It doesn't seem to matter to whoever the general manager answers to or whoever the ownership answers to, whatever. It doesn't seem to matter. I, I, I feel bad for Patrick Laine, though, because uh, he's been requesting playing with a center for years. And now he goes to Columbus, who has no centers. To <laughs> <laughs> hey, he got Cody Eakin. We gave him Cody Eakin. So yeah. I don't know what he's complaining about. Shut up and take uh, your Cody Eakin, man. And then, you know, <laughs> we have a lot of complaints about Maurice. I'm not sure Tortorella is going to be a much better choice for him. Uh, as a coach oh, that'll be for fun. a lining. Yeah. I mean, Tortorella is not, uh, not, not high on player personality. So I, I feel bad for Patrick, but I hope he has an explosive year because like dude needs a raise and needs the opportunity to play somewhere big. Um, I, I saw Greg Wyshynski tweet out, he called it the monkey paw of all trades because it could be the thing where like both teams don't get what they want. 
I mean, like we saw some concerning things from PLD on Thursday night. Um, that was like a list. What was your reaction when you saw that shift from uh, Pierre Luc Dubois? That was ugly. I had so many thoughts um, on that night and it changed like as it should with more information that I got at first. I was like, Tortorella is being petty and this is stupid. I watched the shift and I was like, Dubois is being a little bit of a bitch and he needs to be taught a lesson. And that's a good way to send a message to your team. And then on the other side, I was like, you're playing the team that kicked you out of the playoffs, the defending Stanley cup champions for the first time. And it's tied two two, and you're benching your best player. And I was like, what the heck is going on? I, I don't know. I'm getting very, very serious Jonathan and Druin vibes from this. Um, and more so when it was still possible that Dubois was going to go to Montreal. Um, just because it seems like, I, I don't know. Maybe I just, it's a French thing. Who knows? No, I'm just kidding. It's not. But it, it's kind of a boss move to force your team's hand if you want out. But at the same time, it makes you look unprofessional. And it makes you look like, well, not look like, other teams might not trust you is kind of what I'm getting at. Like, lots of Jets fans are very turned off from this trade solely because of that first eight, 11 minutes or whatever of that period when he did play. And had we made this trade a week ago, they would be a little higher on it just because. So it was a crappy shift and it was a bad thing of Dubois to do. And he owned up to it. So that's good. I don't think it's going to be an issue when he's here. Um, I think it was a Tortorella issue. I don't know if you guys remember that clip from the playoffs last year when Tortorella was absolutely ripping into him on the bench and stuff like I don't know oh, yeah. if they had the best relationship. Um, I don't know. I was I was of many minds when it came to that uh, clip. I'm not worried about it to be completely honest, but who knows? <laughs> yeah. Can I can I say something about that? I'm really and I, we've talked about this both on the podcast and before we record how I don't feel like I should be on our podcast every time because I kind of look at everything like really macro rather than micro. Um, and so that analyst that being an analyst, if you will, of what's happening is kind of tiring when I'm when I'm aboard. But I will say, I don't think I've. OK, so if you're going to take that one shift or two games when you're getting benched, you've already asked for a traded by the hard nosed coach that Tortorella is. We all know. So that's your way to protest and say, this is good. I like Tortorella's attitude, too. I was going to play him, but when he told me he quit, we can't win with him. So let's get it going. I like that, too. But I've got a real issue right now, again, with Jets fans and this Monday morning quarterbacking after each game. Like, I had people tweeting me yesterday saying, see, Sammy Niku sucks. <laughs> There's all sorts of people on the timeline praising Logan Stanley for maybe he's a new player. Maybe Kyle Connor is a new player. We're playing Ottawa. Maybe I would have had a good shift playing D against Ottawa. Like, chill out. Give things 5, 10, 12, 15-game sample sizes. And this goes back to the thing. What's his sample size? Over three, four years of being in the league, he's never done anything like that. He's not a notorious bad attitude, bad seed, any of that stuff. He wanted out. That coach only reacts to things like that. So get it done. And and I'm, it's so frustrating right now with social media and this like instant analyzing like even in a football game on sunday morning sunday morning quarterbacks it's one game i know there's only 17 games in the nfl season but it's one game chill out and in hockey especially you're going to tell me logan stanley has improved because he played 14 minutes of hockey like chill out uh, i i think the deal with pl i think the deal with pld is i'm not really concerned about that shift but we also can't pretend he's coming into like the most supportive room for young players. Um, <laughs> and, and he's, he's 22. Right. And I think there's a lot of, um, I think we forget that. I think for some reason, people think Pierre-Luc Dubois is like 24, 25, been in the league longer than he is. I mean, he's, he's the same as Patrick. And so my concern is that he's not like a, a just like a super even keeled guy. Like he, he seems like a guy that runs hot and cold at times. And we're not introducing him to a room that may, may be the best for him. Um, and the same goes for Liney on the other side. So that's why I brought up the monkey's pause thing. Is like, I think this could go well for both teams. And it could go horribly to crap for both teams, too. 
Um, this is one of those even Yeah, go ahead, Liz. Sorry. Um, the one downside of recording in the middle of media availability is that <laughs> I'm getting some stuff on Twitter as we speak. Um, this is kind of some fun breaking news for everyone. A direct quote, uh, Maurice takes the blame for Liney's failures and wanting out. Someone in the media asked him if Liney was a failure, and Paul Maurice says, all of it is on me. So there's that. <laughs> and, so, uh, so he should be getting fired this afternoon? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, what a weird thing to say. And it's funny, because there's going to be no repercussions for that, because the guy who he failed is gone, so whatever. Who cares? Um, Brian, I don't what know if you want to talk about it. We should... <laughs> uh... I don't know that there's a whole lot to say about that. I mean, you say, okay. Oh my well, God. What was the exact quote? I, I, I failed, I failed him. Uh, here's what Murat has it. It's, it's the head coach's responsibility. So I would take all of that. It says Maurice on Liney's fall from number two overall star in the making to trade requesting. I mean, yeah, you're playing your aging veteran oh. who's, clearly not as good as Line at this point ahead of him for the last two years, putting him on the second power play unit once in a while. I mean, if the reason why Line wanted out was because of that, then yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's your fault. That's, Wait, that's, kid that's missed all. it. In that same tweet, the second part of it says, Maurice says that in the same breath, he's proud of his role in the development of Winnipeg's other young players. Yeah, I mean... Okay. I think he... <laughs> I think Maurice is, should deserve a lot of scrutiny now. How many number two picks going back the last, you know, five, six, seven years um, leave their city um, when they still have... Uh, the the RFA rights to them. You know, maybe there's like one other player that falls into that category. This is a big, this is a big failure. Um, and so I, I hope the, the media scrutinizes Maurice's role in this. And I think a lot is going to come out when Line A starts talking to press. The only unfortunate thing is I wonder what his press availability is going to be with like the quarantine that he has to go through. He should be zooming sometime today, you'd think. Yeah, I would I hope so. They're all I think all the availabilities are on Zoom anyway, so I don't I don't think that has I, much of a bearing. Like he'll get I, he'll be he'll be flying or I think I think he'll be flying over to Columbus pretty much almost immediately, but Yeah, that's what I would think too. I, I also th like my read on Patrick is that he was actually a, a really professional player. Like, he didn't, like, we knew Patrick was unhappy, but not because he was saying all sorts of stuff. It was only in the last few months that a lot of this stuff came out, um, that he requested a trade, and the, you know, I'm here, aren't I, kind of stuff. So, I kind of, I'm wondering if he actually says anything or not. Like, about Winnipeg, or the coaching, or whatever? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't know, I think like, he Go might ahead. not talk. He might not talk shit about the team. I don't know. He seems to have a pretty good way with words that he'll be able to say what's going on without saying what's going on. Yeah, I think he's he pretty great. Right. Yeah, and he, he'll I, say I stuff like it wasn't the room for me, like that kind of stuff. Or yeah, I know. What you yeah, mean. I, I honestly, I. I would hate to say that I can't believe what Lish just read that Paul Maurice said, but obviously I can believe it. That's just unbelievable. And the arrogance to say I to come out and say that and know that nothing's gonna fucking happen to you. The media isn't gonna follow up. Your general manager has no power to do anything. That's what your fucking owner wants you to say. And and I'm happy with the work I've done with young players. Which ones? The ones that haven't wanted to be traded or put on waivers. It, I guess Which you could say Jake. I guess you could say Jacob Truba and Patrick Liney have really developed and gone elsewhere. I mean, that's yeah. a real success there. Uh, yeah. Dealers. <laughs> oh, one one last um, thought. Where, where does Chevy fit in all of this? 
Uh, like, you know, I know. <laughs> Sorry, keep going. No, no, I was going to say, like, we've been talking a lot about Maurice, but does Chevy uh, carry any of this? Chevy's job, he did a pretty good job. He got everything he could for a good player. But we all know this. He's he's third in charge. We know that. We've talked about it, you know, a lot. Even when Maurice was hired, it, for people that don't remember, when he was hired, Chipman and Chevy said he's brought in as a consulting GM as well, um, not just as a head coach. And again, if you just want to take the GM's role in this, it's a good trade. But how did we get here? I'm sick, man. I'm sick to hear that shit. I like... Fuck. I, you know, sorry. I don't... Like I said, we talk shit about that coach all the time on here, but that's that's another level. That's just ridiculous. Well, and I think, like like you said, the whole thing about him being third in command, maybe fourth behind Wheeler, but I think yeah, maybe. People, people often think, like, that Chevy has a little more say than he does. I don't know. That's also very, very speculative. But I do have a feeling that his hand is quite often forced. So when he does make a trade or a signing, whatever, it might not be his own doing um, or idea. But he ends up, I think, for the most part, usually doing an okay job, at least getting the Jets something good out of it. Um, But again, that's all speculative because if... No, there are some of the moves that have happened over the years that we almost like, this is very bold of us to say from our living rooms, but no competent GM would do something like that. And we, we he's no fool. We know that. So we wonder if there are other things at play a lot of the time. I don't think he crapped the bed too badly on this one, if at all. Um, I think some people are giving him a really hard time. Um, but I don't know. It's very, it's very curious. I, I think he did the best of a bad situation, but I always feel like Chevy's on defense and he hasn't had the ability to go on offense for a long time here um, as a GM because he's like fixing, cleaning up mistakes that are happening in the room. Um, so I like in a weird way, I feel bad for Chevy and that might be letting him off the hook a little bit. Um, but I mean, there's potential for this to be good. There's also a lot of potential for this to be bad. Um, we won't find out for a couple weeks and, uh, when PLD gets in the lineup, and we certainly won't find out probably for a few months and maybe to the offseason when they have the ability to re-sign him. Um, all right, any last thoughts uh, before we wrap up? Um, I, I'm just going to chime in and say I'm just sad to see Line A go. Loved the guy. Uh, just absolutely loved him. He was a fan favorite absolutely deserves uh, to be that. And uh, in my mind, just like Timu, he's a Winnipeg Jet forever, wherever he lands up. Absolutely. I, uh, I, I think it might have been Malloy who tweeted this. I, I don't, I want to give credit where it's due because I've said it about a hundred times. It kind of feels like this whole trade was, it was basically trading get out of jail free cards. And I think that's very interesting because both teams were going to have their hands tied eventually. So switch it up, make it a little fun, see what happens kind of thing. And I think that's very accurate. Quick thing, um, a quote, Ryan, Ryan from the podcast, Ryan, says he is fishing, but please mention that Ryan thinks that although the Jets are trading fun for boring and for fans it sucks, it's not horrible for the team, and we should all wait and see before judging. So there's some sense in a couple uh, of... <laughs> all, all that makes sense from a hockey side, but this is also a fan podcast, and like the fan experience is part of this too, right? Like... And anytime oh, yeah. you see great players go, and especially great young players that give you hope for the future, it's okay to be sad about it, um, even if it t- turns into wins down the road. Uh, yeah. Chris, last of I'm not going to go on and on. I, the more I've, I hadn't verbalized a lot. I made a lot of jokey tweets this morning about some of the shit and it was fun or whatever. This is the first time I've actually sat alone, not alone. and with you lovely people, but sat alone and kind of verbalized some of it. And it, it's heartbreaking. It really is. And, um, you know, it's hard. People think we're just a bunch, just a bunch of assholes and we're just a bunch of trolls and this and that. But I mean, it's not the case. It's heartbreaking. It's sad and it sucks. And, uh, you know, it's frustrating. And it's frustrating when you start thinking 
a little deeper into it. And um, so we'll see what happens. And hopefully it turns out. I mean, the ultimate goal, the reason why we cheer is so that we win a Stanley Cup, right? That's that's what we all want. Um, does this make us closer to winning a Stanley Cup? I'm not sure. But Will you take a, you do, a Logan Stanley instead of a Stanley Cup? No? I would trade a Logan <laughs> Stanley for almost anything. <laughs> uh, Brian, how about you? Final thoughts? Yeah, final thoughts. Uh, I guess... Oh, I'm going to miss Patrick Liney so much. Like, to be honest, I don't think I ever got more excited when the puck was on another player's stick than Patrick Liney. Um, so, yeah, that it, it sucks. Um, I'm heartbroken. I don't necessarily think it's a bad trade. I don't know that it's a good trade. It's like on paper, it's a pretty even trade, in my opinion. Um, whether it works out or not is yet to be seen. It's it's a fine trade, but God, I love Patrick Liney. I'm going to miss that guy. That's pretty much it. And Liz, uh, I'm throwing it to you to close us out. Any any final thoughts? Only time will tell what this trade means, how this trade looks before we make any snap judgments. Um, but yeah, you are a fake Jets fan if you're not going to miss Line A in some capacity because he was freaking cool and there's no one else like him in the league. So fly high, sweet prince. Always a Jet to us. <laughs> Go Blue Jackets. Yeah, yeah. I... I'm definitely going to um, mourn this by watching uh, highlights of that Toronto game that Brian was at. Um, and uh, maybe I'll actually uh, fire up Fortnite in honor of Patrick Liney one last time. Um, uh, Patrick Liney, we wish you only only the best. Uh, and PLD, I guess we'll see you in a couple weeks. Uh, we'll be back with probably more thoughts about the ramifications and fallout from, from this trade um, next week. But... That's it for this episode of Jet Centric. We'll see you next time. Bye. I'm Kurt Kilbach, and thank you for listening to the Jet Centric Broadcast.